If what you thought to be true was not, would you want to know? A friend posted this question on social media and the responses were surprising. Instead of the universal, of course, which I anticipated, several individuals replied, it depends or not necessarily. Openly, several people admitted before their peers that given a choice, they would rather believe some lies than have to change their minds. Christ said, the truth shall set you free. Yet how many would rather live in bondage than bear the personal responsibility that freedom brings? This is a time of exposure, of paradigm shifts, of repentance, and of changing one's mind. And if you've been following this podcast at all, this is what I've been talking about the last several weeks. Yet a potential pitfall is that in swerving to avoid a trap, we don't careen into a ditch on the other side. There are two specific concerns for the body of Christ in this time of shaking that I have. The first is that we would not be divided by non-foundational issues but would commit to give each other grace where there's difference of opinion. And secondly, that in our rejection of the prevalent lies we realize have propped up much of the culture, that we would not embrace new lies simply because they're novel and non-mainstream. Here are some examples of what I mean. Distrust of the medical system and government agencies has led an increasing number of people that I know to embrace natural health and alternative medicine. In the church community, I'm observing a polarization between these two camps and a line drawn that in essence asks people to choose a side. This is a mistake. And to the second point, misinformation that's been presented as science and incorporated into education curriculum for decades is being challenged and debunked by other scientists and historians, both Christian and secular. And I have links to support some of these things I'm saying if you wanna look in the show notes. However, there's some equally sensationalized material circulating via the World Wide Web that seems to be enticing those who've just been delivered out of the camp of mainstream falsification Some of these fantastical theories are deliberately being propagated to discredit and to distract the church, I believe. God's people are commanded to love the truth and to compel others to good works. In our zeal, however, we must take care where the Bible is neutral or does not delineate a core issue, not to make doctrines out of things like food, health, and personal convictions. Likewise, human nature feels secure hanging out in one camp on issues, right? That's just who we are as people. To be unsure of what we think or to venture out to explore other ideas makes us feel vulnerable. In reality, we may be experiencing the pain of growth and the wilderness in between moving from one camp to another may be quite healthy. Discomfort is not something we humans are drawn to nor manage well, but that is not an indicator that what we are going through is not good for us. So scripture gives us parameters in navigating personal convictions and that of other Christians. Here are just a few And all these translations, except the first, are King James Version, which I hope is not another point of contention for some people. 
But the Bible says to examine all things, hold fast to that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards a certain day above the others, while someone else considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes a special day does so to the Lord. He who eats does so to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. That's Romans 14, verses 4 through 6. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Romans 14, 14. And again, that idea of conscience comes in there. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Colossians 2, 16. Some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. 1 Corinthians 8, 7. And again, we see the idea of conscience coming into it. Not so much the practice itself, but being unable to do something in good conscience is what actually condemns the individual before God. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. 1 John 3, 19, verses 20, sorry, 1 John 3, verse 19. You, however, have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you lack knowledge of the truth, but because you have it and because no lie comes from the truth. That's 1 John 2, verses 20 and 21. The one who eats everything must not belittle the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted him. And that's Romans 14, verse 3. These are just some of the passages that talk about our personal convictions and not judging other people. Again, these are not moral issues where the Bible is very clear that something is sin. These are personal convictions that we have about eating and drinking, about observing certain holidays, about our personal health, about fasting. These are things that we choose to do and we can do them with freedom if we have conscience to do it. Whereas perhaps someone else can't do the exact same practice with a clean conscience. So scripture is clear that the choices we make must be done in faith. In fact, Romans 14, 23 in the King James Version, which I don't think I read that particular one, but it says that where faith ends is where sin begins and where other versions say condemned. The King James Version actually says that if a person can't do it in faith, he's damned. Very strong language there. Uh, very actually seismic thought to think that what you can't do in faith leads to the condemnation of your soul. So whatever we do, we need to do it in the fear of the Lord and in good conscience. To the second point, may we have the courage to realize, and this point is about not trusting the systems anymore, um, such as science, medical, education, and to that point, may we have the courage to realize that good people with real wisdom who have knowledge of great value sometimes are operating in these broken systems that have been skewed by political power and by money. 
tossing out the baby with a bathwater will leave us deprived and susceptible. These days we must ask the Lord's wisdom for things that perhaps formerly we took for granted. Thankfully, he promises to give wisdom freely to the one who asks. According to James 1.5, he assures us that the spirit of truth will guide us in all truth. That's John 16.13. Praise be to God. Is your life marked by fear or by faith? When we catch a glimpse in our spirits of the mightiness of the God that we serve, and when we take his words to heart, doors suddenly open where there seemed only to be walls. The prospect of bad news no longer intimidates us. We eagerly anticipate the days ahead, and the mundane in life becomes an adventure. Leaving the shallows, igniting the faith that overcomes the world, are 40 meditations on teaching and testimony that will encourage your heart and boost your faith to see His kingdom come in your own life like never before. Check out Leaving the Shallows, Igniting the Faith that Overcomes the World on Amazon or go to emilytomco.com.